All right. Get it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. This is Chris Baca with Jared Truby broadcasting live from Santa Cruz, California. We're upstairs in this lovely one-bedroom apartment, and this podcast is brought to you by Max Industries. Mm. Max is my cat who is increasingly fat and just won't stop eating. It's also, it's a micro loft. It's a micro loft. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to modern living, the micro loft of the century. It's a micro loft. Google small homes in New York and you'll see what I mean. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. We're going to do a Q&A episode, so deal with that. <laughs> How them apples? How about them apples? Should we just get into it? Yeah, we're going to get into it, y'all. This one just came through. It's hot off the press. Chris and Jared, first, I wanted to say that I am very appreciative of everything you are doing in the coffee community. I love your podcast and I'm very excited to see you guys open up a cafe soon. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry if this is the wrong place, but I do have a question. I'm pretty sure this is the right place. At the end of your last podcast, Jared mentioned wanting more discussion about running cafes, retail experiences, and maintaining a sustainable business, and it got me wondering. What are your thoughts on tip jars, tip pooling, hospitality fees, service charges, and wages, etc.? That's a big list right there. Etc. Etc. Let's talk about the etc., but nothing else. I'm curious what you plan and I am curious what you plan, how you plan to handle this in your cafe. That's how you wrote it. So that's how I'm saying it. <laughs> Personally, I can go on for days about this, but here are some quick thoughts I have. A tip for basic service is ridiculous, but it is better to take the money than to refuse it. Tip jars fill up if you put them out, so why not? The barista wage is too low, and a tip jar cushions that problem. There are some very crazy laws about who can handle tips and whether it is legal to pool them or split them. It seems that Starbucks has gotten in some legal trouble for handling this wrong. I would like to see a better way to compensate, bar- compensate baristas that is fair, that if fair, legal and sustainable for both the company and long-term viability of employee without upsetting the apple cart too much. On the other hand, maybe it is time to be disruptive. I know some cafes are trying out alternative methods. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Boom. <laughs> The explosion. The explosion. That was not a uh, scripted boom. We both boomed at the same time. <laughs> Which we do sometimes. sometimes we boom we just drop to the shake boom. the room every so often. <laughs> uh, that's an incredibly large question, and it's not an easy one to answer. We could just split this up with some ideas, because we've talked about things in the cafe, yeah. but we really haven't settled in on the perfect yet. And I think the problem with that a lot of the time is, is that... You go one way and then it excludes some things going the other way. And it's just it's hard to do because you have to consider people and feelings and laws. So, uh, yeah, I find some companies that I've seen a lot of companies. So let me just start with something that I think about. Uh, There's companies all over the place that have people who are called managers. And in California, managers are not allowed to take tips. But what's slightly interesting is that a lot of managers in California are making coffee the same as the baristas and they have some extra um, responsibilities, but these people are also major, major, if not the best drivers of service in their cafes a lot of the time. And so for me, tips for me are a direct result of service. And so if the person who is leading and giving the best service is unable to have a tip um, hopefully they're being compensated for it in some sort of salary, but it, it is, it is for me like a direct relation to tips in general are for the people who earn them. 
and so I have a hard time with the idea of not of managers not being able to get tips if they're making the coffee and they're the ones earning the tips. It is a cool leadership move to pass them on to the team, but it's I have a really hard time with this question as well. Right, because okay, at the end of the day, for most uh, like probably ninety plus percent of the cafes out there. The manager is not actually a manager. They're basically a barista that do that does a couple extra exactly. things that the other entry level baristas don't do. And maybe a manager this is actually closer to what a barista should actually be. Yes. If they're expected to make some kind of wage on it. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So we talk about Very much we so. talk about living wages for a barista and is this a, like a viable lifelong career? And the way that everything's set up right now, it's like no why would it be? And no disrespect to baristas because I'm down as fuck for the baristas and I identify with that culture and I've been there. But literally, if all you do is make lattes and make espresso and smile at people, you should not expect to earn like a real legit salary doing that because it's honestly not that hard. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... And not to sound like a total jerk, but it's like if you want to make a living wage, you need to do more, more than that. Yeah. And I think that that people are willing to do more and someone just needs to set up a system for them to allow them to do more and allow them to take on more responsibility. Mm -hmm. Cause part of the, part of the equation is, you know, me being a jerk and saying like, this is easy and you're not doing enough. But the other part of the equation is a lot of places where these people work, they kind of discount what that person's capacity can do. And they're like, Oh, Billy makes lattes. Cool. That's it. And that's all the development they have. Yep. And like, we're not going to teach Billy to do anything else. We're not going to teach Billy to manage finances. We're not going to teach Billy to like run his cafe to a certain labor percentage. We're not going to teach Billy to do all these things, give Billy all these skills. So Billy's got to go open his own shop Billy's called Barista go open and make it happen. <laughs> I just grabbed the name Billy out of thin air. I wasn't, I was definitely not going the billy route that's not billy's story everyone that's not billy's story but it should have been but it could have like, this is a hypothetical billy theoretical bill this is theoretical bill will theoretical bill just coming at you um but you know what i'm saying there i do know what you're saying i mean um i mean if you take it if you take it and you try to make it apples to apples and it's not bartenders get their dollar almost standard per drink based on some good service and precision in making that drink. Arguably, the best baristas get more tips or earn more tips for their place because they give amazing service and their coffee drinks taste better, so they end up getting their tips in one way or the other. And that almost always is the case. There's obviously people who just kill it at service and everybody just likes them. But, I mean, if you go apples to apples, bartenders also aren't typically getting paid a lot hourly or in a salary. They're earning it by giving amazing service to people sometimes and making interesting great delicious cocktails that people want and if you wanted to try to do apples to apples that's all we're doing as baristas too so why would why would we as baristas decide that we automatically earn more money than most bartenders who are a lot of time getting minimum wage unless they work somewhere for a long time yeah the, i think the simple economics drive the base wages in the service industry and if you are you know if you run a company, there's only so much money you can pay someone for doing certain things. So mm -hmm. if someone makes espresso, mops the floor, does the dishes, it's not that that person's not important because they're definitely one of the keys to your business, but you can really only pay them so much because people only pay or are only currently paying so much 
for a latte or a cappuccino. Yeah. Or whatever your average ticket is, you know, latte, coffee plus pastry, whatever's happening that day. So it, it taps out. So to earn more, you have to do more. And, yeah. Oh, well, think about right? it like this. For for maybe some some people maybe don't think about it like this. Like, say a company makes whatever amount of money they make, right? It, at the very top. And then they have to pay all that they have to pay. There's only so much money left at the bottom that is allowed for salary and payroll all in, including whatever the owners take. And so theoretically there's not a lot of money left so if this place needs to have a bunch of different baristas because they don't do a lot of things or a bunch of different people on staff then they have to end up splitting that piece of pie more but if there's less people basically the general sense of what um i've written about in blogs in the past is if what chris said if more people do more things you need less people right i would like to see more people that are not quote unquote managers but you can call them whenever you want you can call them baristas you can call them yeah titles know, irrelevant whatever whatever you want to call them but that make awesome espresso give awesome customer service and also do other things you know manage inventory like manage payroll manage labor do all all these other things and that can justify the business owner giving a higher wage to that person right and then i don't know how everybody's I only know about, and I don't even know that much about California's tip structure. I know that you know if you're quote unquote a manager, you can't take tips. Right. I don't. I don't know what that means for everybody else. But on the on the tip jar thing, I like a tip jar, especially when I'm in the shoes as like a standard normal barista. And the reason I like the tip jar is that because of the way that economics work, if I'm just a regular barista, let's say myself, normal barista, whatever company I work for is never going to be able to pay me enough, even if they supplement my income. And let's say they take my tip jar away and supplement my income, they won't be able to supplement it more than what I could make myself with tips. Yeah. Because I will fucking dominate customer service and people will give me money all day. And I know this because it happens. <laughs> and I love doing it. I don't do it for the money. I just, it's like. I do it for the honey. I do it for the honeys, dog. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I love that energy and that environment. And I, I love making people the coffee. And, you know, I try to go the extra mile for every customer that walks through the door. And they appreciate that. And I work a couple of days a week right now. And I'm making on the regular over 10 bucks an hour just in tips. That's earned. That's just earned. It's not just because you walked in the door and made coffee. And it's, you know, and it's sometimes it's it's right around 12 and that's a lot of money. And I don't see, you know, an, a company like a normal just coffee shop being like, you know, we're going to we're going to take your tip jar away. But guess what? We're going to give we're going to give you a twelve dollar an hour raise. I just don't see that happening. Mm -hmm. um, maybe maybe it can. Maybe there's another way that I'm not thinking of. But I I like the tip jar because I put myself in the position to earn that money. And I know a lot of people listening to this do that too. They take what they do really seriously and they're like, Hey, I like earning this money. I like going the extra mile for people. And I love that people appreciate it. You know, yeah. people want to give out of the goodness of their hearts. They appreciate what you do. And that's how I tip too. Like I'm not, and I don't tip all the time. I'm, I tip for service. So mm -hmm. if I get, if I get really, really, shitty service somewhere i have no problem not leaving a tip depending on what's going on 
if it's like a, I'm going off on a tangent do here, it. No, so no, sorry. No, like, like if I'm in a restaurant that's slammed and my server is awesome, but the food takes a long time and a couple things get messed up that I know aren't the server's fault. Right. I will still Tip's tip the, the server. Yeah. yeah. That I will still tip because I'm tipping that person who's interacting with me. They don't right. have control over what's going on. They'll tip it, out it, whoever less. In the kitchen. Right. They're going to tip less down the line. But if it's if it's a one-to-one contact situation and I get really crappy service, I'm not going to leave a big tip just to leave a tip. Yep. And I will leave a humongous tip if I get killer service. Because you I, earned it. Because I, I, I love that. I, I love having that experience. To me, it's worth it to just drop some coin for, you know, downtown when you go to Oswald right. and Adrian's there and she's just like murdering it. it every night and mm-hmm. everything's perfect like all the way through and it's I, I just love it. Oswald's a sweet place that makes great cocktails and has a real nice uh, a modern Californian We have a nice <laughs> modern American cuisine. <laughs> At a relatively uh, non-expensive price. They did not sponsor this podcast so this no. is just straight from the heart. We just throw out stuff everywhere. Uh, I feel like yeah I feel like that's a that's a generalized uh, answer for all y'all out there who are wondering about what we think about tips. That was like the ultra rant. Yeah. But uh, we we should promise this, that we still have a few kinks to work out. And then we'll put this question in the queue. And then when we, we do open and we do have our exact tip plan figured we'll out, talk about we should just really talk is. about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like exactly what we'll we're doing. We'll come back to this. But this is still going out. So that's just uh, that's just me on a rant. Just it's a great talk, rant. Talking crap. Sorry. Like no disrespect to anybody if they took it the wrong way. I uh, think we're good. I, I love I love y'all. I love y'all. I think it's beautiful. Here is another question from the homies. From something from the homies. Right, what, is what is it? The other day I was reading your blog and I found a couple of posts about resetting. I totally connected with those posts. I work as a director of operations for a coffee company, and I feel like I've been totally missing my element. Chris talked about being a mix of an introvert and an extrovert and feeling like the perfect balance of that is achievable working behind the bar at a busy setting. That absolutely spoke to my soul. I guess my question is, how do I make this happen? I'm at this crossroad where I feel like all I want to do is make coffee for a lot of people in a busy setting, but that it may be gone just a little too far into the whole management thing to be able to go back to that. I don't really care about money, so that's not the issue. But I just want to be able to work bar shifts and stop doing all these emails and paperwork and stupid crap that comes along with my job. Do you think there's a scenario where baristas will realistically be able to just embrace this scenario and not be pressured to move up the chain of command to a higher position when they show that they're committed to their job? I feel like it's really hard to say no to a promotion, but that inevitably leads to discontent from being taken out of our element. In the blog, Chris talked about creating a pay structure with less baristas behind bar so that those guys and gals actually have a valued position instead of considering just a stepping stone to being a coffee professional. That was actually Jared who said that. I wrote one post. He wrote the other one. They're part of a package, so it's all good. I'd really love to hear you guys talk more about this on the podcast. We're doing it right now. I feel like so often the best and most inspiring baristas end up as account managers for bigger companies, and I don't want that for myself, at least not yet. Anyways, thanks for taking the time to read this. You guys effing rule and make me want to be better at taking care of people and making coffee every day. I love you. That sounds weird, but I do. (laughs) That sounds weird. Hey, we love you too. Um, We kind of briefly talked about some of the... It kind of ties into the last question. But for me, it's, it's again, it's training and it is transparency and it is the ability for a company to um, 
pour responsibilities into all of their staff and not just basically make you as whoever move up to that position to take those responsibilities. Now that you might be at a position that's far above, it might take some expertise or experience in your company, but a lot of these places really, it comes down to intention and what they want out of their people. And if you start your company with a red job and a barista, and then you start growing a lot of times what people do instead of restructuring, they just add more positions or, they yeah i mean they just they, they don't they don't set the stage for more training and more coaching early on they just say okay well i'm just going to take this one person and i'm going to train them to do a thing and then it, it just becomes kind of a weird shit show and so you're stuck with what we know barista register operator service people whatever they are maybe a bar back who does milk and then after that it kind of gets gray and you're like well what do these people actually do and why am i paying them more or the only way I can pay them more is that they do something different than these other people who are in my staff already. So they have to do, they have to have a different something or other. And if they find out that Billy, the barista is making more than Sally, the barista, but Billy does like a little bit more stuff. It's weird. Cause he's a barista. We have to give him a title. So I guess what my question, my answer is there needs to be more training and there needs to be an understanding that maybe a title doesn't necessarily reflect money specifically or maybe responsibility and th- at least is, that's kind of what i was getting at yeah it's intention intention and on the on the flip side of that so let's say you're an employee at company x it's highly unlikely that you're in the position to be able to go up to the top of this company and rewrite everything they stand for and be like okay this is how it's going to work so advice that I would have for you as an employee, and I wish I would have taken this advice myself and I didn't, is you should be willing and you definitely should say no to a promotion if it's not the right fit. Do your research. The ideal growth pattern, because there there does need to be some growth pattern. You know, we talked about this in the last issue in the last question. Last issue. (laughs) Last issue. First issue. You know, if if you want to have a family and live the way you want to live. And, you know, maybe a lot of people are different, but for me living here in Santa Cruz and California and having the lifestyle I want, it's just not feasible for me to be a barista for the rest of my life. Cause there is going to be a wage cap on that. But within that growth, you should find some kind of growth pattern that suits you. So maybe if you are a barista and you can, you, what you value is, touching base with people, working with coffee. Account manager is probably like the worst thing you could ever do. Depending on what company you're working for. Depending on what company you're working for. But still, you're so far removed from coffee. Yeah. Even in, I mean, even in, like if you went the other route and went into something like education. Right. Like training, educator, you're still physically producing coffee. You're making coffee. You're teaching baristas who are on the ground level things about coffee and you have an influence over your coffee company's coffee culture. Yep. And then if you're in sales or account management, it's like for most places, it's like a different world. Yeah. See, that's kind of what I'm thinking about is I wonder if people in our industry are misconstruing what it actually could or maybe should mean to be an account manager. And I wonder if they are making it seem like this really cool position where you get to make coffee and hang out with people all the time because quote unquote, that might be selling, which makes people 
feel like that's like the answer to that is the answer to the next thing. It's like if you don't want to be a manager, you become an account manager and you get to make coffee and you're free and you get to do this, that and the other. I don't think he thinks about it that way, but account management should probably be about selling and connection and less about creating coffee. It's a lot of communication. Right. I'm, where are you going with this? No, I just I think you know about, what I'm saying? Yeah, I just think of I think that I see a lot of awesome people that I like in account management positions, but I think baristas and people who are coming up the ladder might look at those positions and think that it's actually like one of he doesn't want account management. Right. But I think that he's like in might, account management and he's not feeling it because he's like, I feel so disconnected from yeah, coffee. But I think before you get there, a lot of people think that, well, if I become an account manager, I get to go to all these places and get to show them how to make coffee. Oh, right. To, like it, to, like it like, sounds like more of a training hands on coffee job. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really not. It sh- and it shouldn't be. I got you. But I, got I don't you. want people to think that that's what it should be. Right. Yeah. I for me, when I got into doing sales yeah. and head of business development, like worst job I could ever have. Well, yeah, because it's literally business. And I did turn it down at first. I was like, no, you know, it's not going to work. And they're like, well, we need this. And I was, you know, I was there. Yeah, (laughs) I was there and I was motivated and to do a good job in whatever. So I was like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll do this. And and I should have stuck to my guns because it brought me in a world that was so far away from what I really, really loved. And that's why I got burned out. It wasn't just doing a whole it wasn't just doing that job, taking that account management or business development job. It was just, it pulled me like three tiers away from what I really loved. And it made it hard to really like reintegrate. And if I had to do it all over again, and let's say I was going to take that job, I would negotiate terms on paper. Mm-hmm. It sounds overkill, but I'd be like, all right, I need X amount of days per month, like in the cafe as a barista at this wage right, to make sure... You're connected. You know, I'm connected to the to the people and the product that I'm serving, and I can walk away feeling like I got pumped up. Yeah. Because you could go months and you'd be like, dude, I haven't had like a real interaction that just like pumps me up. And it's not to say that you don't meet awesome people in the sales world, because you do. And I met a ton of them. I got mm-hmm. to interact with a bunch of cool people who had a bunch of cool businesses. But for me, none of it was like being behind the bar at 7 a.m. with a line out the door and the tunes pumping. Right. It's just not, it's a different kind of interaction. All your local friends. All the locs. Yeah. And you're just like, you're just on fire. And you're like, yeah, it's a different thing. So just being able to work that in, being able to say no and pick a path that's closer to what you love. Yeah. And if that path isn't there, Maybe start seeking it. I wouldn't say leave. I would say keep doing an amazing job, but like start looking around for those options and start being real with yourself. What do you want to do? And if, if there's an opportunity and sometimes the opportunity is you need to go open your own shop, which is Chris and I's opportunity. And it took some soul searching for that. But if there's, there's always options out there, it's hard. I mean, we're working off of kind of like a a relatively young business model, not not Chris and I, but coffee in general, right? It's com- it's not very old. So there's still a lot of opportunity for expansion and growth when it comes to how your business is run and how your training programs work and everything. I would also say make the ask too. If, you know, a lot of companies fill jobs, but are open to the idea of different people doing different things that mm-hmm. might be a good fit for you, but they just never thought about it. So if you have something that's an ideal position for you, or if you have great ideas, because at the end of the day, it's got to be a win-win. You need to provide value for your employer, yeah. too. You can't just be like, I want to do this. But if you have awesome ideas, you should be like, hey, guys, I don't think I'm cut out for this, but I have 
this badass idea it's gonna let me shine utilize all my skills and this is how it's gonna benefit you and the entire company too what do you guys think and maybe you can find something that like didn't even exist you know create your own path create your own path be the ball be the change you want to see in the world it's a jared truby original quote yeah i'm pretty sure i was the first one to say that yeah it's 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 pretty chill muhammad gandhi said it (laughs) muham (laughs) oh it's a day oh man what do we got now we got some uh roasting questions i love to roast don't you chris i really love to roast i didn't think i was gonna but i actually do i really like roasting. i was like roasting is so boring and lame there's like no way it's cool all roasters do is like search for bike parts online while it's happening and like wait for first crack and then they zoom in a little bit and (laughs) you know take it out but i like it (laughs) hey guys we do more than just that. I I don't even search for bike parts. I, <laughs> I never search for bike parts. I never dog. search for bike parts. Um, so I'm not. I'm gonna skip the first part of this question because it. Sorry, Gabe. It sets this. Well, I was trying to keep it anonymous. <laughs> it's okay. Who knows? Who, there's a lot of Gabe's in the world. A lot of Gabe's out there. Uh, I'll jump right into it. With the capacity that we're in now, this guy owns a small roaster retailer. In terms of both our shop needs and wholesale clients, I often can't roast consistent batch sizes to avoid waste. So I'm wondering whether, as I'm roasting different batch sizes of the same coffee, I should aim to have the length of roast stay consistent, or should I be more concerned with matching the profiled rate of rise curve, even if that means the roast is two minutes off in either direction? Which of these factors is more important? That's one question. With a couple of coffees, both the new ones that I've been working on profiling and some of our older offerings that are still being roasted with the automation software, I often find that I get some dirty, muddy notes as I'm brewing or cupping these coffees. My question is, ruling out bean processing or coffee defects, what could be the cause of this? I'm inclined to think that it could be due to improper airflow, but I don't know if there are other factors that could be influencing this. Let's take those, Let's take those two and then go into the third one. The third yeah. one's long. The first uh, one seems there's a maybe a, a third option. What's your third option? Well, how you and I usually approach this is we hopefully know our roaster in such a way where we kind of try to actually follow the exact same curve by changing our gas adjustments and flame temperature, right? Right. But generally, the smaller batch sizes we'll are faster. Yeah, and the bigger batch sizes are going to be a, a little bit longer. That'll still be, yeah, it's still general. But we still try, we try to, to get pretty close to that. I mean, it's not that far off. It's not like a full minute. The curve, the curve shape will be, I mean, I would say that you want that curve shape to be pretty similar, even shape. if it's like shorter or longer, and then you manipulate everything to go around that. Yeah. Is how we do it. So if, if the batch is X amount bigger, you'll charge a little bit hotter, mm-hmm. use a little bit more burner up front, to kind of develop it in a similar way. Yes. This is kind of like in a nutshell over the radio. So yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's a little bit more depending on what you're doing. um, But I would say if you're, if your normal roast is 12 minutes, I wouldn't spend all your energy worrying about making the different batch sizes all line up at exactly 12 minutes. No, hit that curve, hit that curve. And different variables are going to make different things play in different ways, depending on how your roaster is working. But, I wouldn't get caught up in the time too much Um, unless you're like, you know, one's 12 minutes and the other one's like 16. Yeah. You're like, Whoa, you're in a different world. Yeah. The 
batch size thing is tricky. I mean, it is tricky. It's not impossible. No, I mean, by any just, means, it just takes a lot of adjustments. And honestly, some of it's going to be on the fly a little bit. If you see something starting to get a little crazy, you're going to have to notch it back at or up or. Yeah, you gotta. You just gotta watch that curve. Play with the airflow too. Draw that. Bird I would say out. draw that bird out. Try the try the little rayo trick with the lighter or the paper. Yeah. With your batch in there. See if you're getting it right. A lot of people do it with no drum in it, and it's a baseline. Yeah. But and you can manipulate it from there. But do it with a loaded batch because different volumes of coffee in the roaster will require, in our minds, different airflows to Absolutely. optimize whatever flavor you're Definitely going for. What we think. So we're just two dudes though who don't even have we're a, just true a couple guys. company that's open serving coffee. So <laughs> you know. Take take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Our coffee's delicious. Our coffee does taste good. It tastes pretty good. I mean, it's definitely got some some flavors. I mean, it. it's definitely got uh layers of flavors. Yeah. Wait till we get to make it for you ourselves in our shop, you guys. Next level. The second question, I want to give you an answer, but I'm going to have to say that I can't give you an answer on as far as dirty, muddy notes, without knowing more about what's happening, I couldn't really tell you and not... I would feel like I'm giving you just like vague advice. Because yeah. it could probably be a million different things. I mean, I just... I read automation software. And I guess if you're looking at the curve and the curve's the same. But when you say automation software, that, that leads me to believe there's... It's hard for you to track and actually see what's going on. I'm not again. Yeah, I'm not there. I can't really speak that well to it, right? I mean, I I feel like I can't. No, I don't. So even I though even though even if we know it's works. on automation software, we still can't see the curve or any of the particulars or anything like that. Yeah. So I don't want to give bro. I don't want to give advice that's not real. You know what I mean? I don't that's, like automating anything. That's how I feel very much. Let's get into question three because I like question three. Okay. Same What's dude. That? Third question. And finally, I was also just curious about your thoughts on menu offerings in a broader sense. As we move into having a roasting department operating a little more autonomously, we're also trying to figure out what the best option is for green buying and everything that goes along with that. I won't ask you guys for an entire overview of green buying, although I certainly wouldn't object to it if you wanted to spew some wisdom, but I was wondering about your menu philosophies. So we're in an area that has given our shop a good reception, but is still getting used to specialty coffee, especially in some of our areas where we have wholesale accounts. At our retail space, we focus on single origins, and the only blend that we have right now in-house is our espresso blend. We do also have a few blends that we offer for our wholesale accounts. Right now, we rotate through between seven to nine single origin offerings, and beside that, we have six coffees that are designated for blends. The problem is we're currently using three different importers for various coffees, and I'm struggling with timing and spacing out the releases that we need to avoid any cash flow issues. So all that rambling to say, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are as you put offerings menu together. That's big. Very big. Every place and market is obviously going to vary, but you guys have a baseline that you come back to as you're talking to people about what might work for them. Check it out. We got ideas, but we I don't think a lot of people are doing them specifically like this. Yes. We're going to be keeping less coffees. Less is more for us. In-house than most people would. Seven to nine single origins for us is going to be a lot of way, coffees. Way too many for us. We're going to be thinking like about three or four of them. Three or four single origins. Single origin offerings. A blend. Probably like probably like six to seven coffees total. Total. That's All including in. blends and single origins. And our philosophy 
our philosophy. Actually, it just comes from experience, okay? I, as both a consumer and the person serving coffee, have the hardest time dealing with, well, there's four Costa Ricans on the shelf. Which one do I pick up? They're all awesome, supposedly. And both as the person trying to explain it to the consumer, it's confusing. And for the consumer, you don't really want to hear somebody tell you about four different Costa Ricans. No. At all. No. So we're going to do basically one or two and then of centrals and probably one or two of Africans. and Have a natural in the mix. Have a natural. And we're going to basically be like, it, it just trust us you'll love it here's your central here's your african here's your natural <laughs> i mean if you're buying a coffee there needs to be a compelling reason to buy that coffee and the coffee being good that's not a good enough reason it should be I, default because there's point. yeah it's going to be good like and there's a ton of good coffees that you can buy so if you're having and i'm not trying to we're not trying to bash on what you have going on right now but in our minds we're just like thinking what on earth would possess us to carry 10 single origin coffees at one time? It's just not going to be a great experience for our consumer. There's enough mm-hmm. variety in seasonality around coffee that let's say you run three or four single origins for a quarter or whatever length of time you decide is right for you. And you can swap it up. Yeah. And we don't have to have, you know, coffee booked sitting in a warehouse on pallets, just like, shit tons of it that we're not going to be able to move for us. It's going to be more important to get, make it an easy transaction for the customer on the retail end. Yes. Easier for us to manage inventory on the back end while still giving awesome product to people. And I don't know. That's basically it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's the same. We have that same feeling with kind of with merch as well. Like we don't need to be the one stop shop. It's, it's an online marketplace for stuff like that too. It's like, everybody's going to compare your price to Amazon anyway and just get it sent to their house. So we're going to probably offer less things there as well. Yeah. Maybe anybody's out there thinking about it. Maybe we'll have like a seasonal rotation. I I mean, can you imagine going into the warehouse and seeing, you know, 50 Bonavita brewers and 50 arrow presses and 50 French presses of every size. And it's like, why are you allocating that much space to a bunch of crap and cash flow? To shit that has stupid small margins and you don't make any money off of it. Yeah. And it takes up space in your cafe. It is just... And at the end of the day, you can't sell it for less than you can get it on Amazon these days anyway, almost. It's deep. Literally. Yeah. So for us, it's it's all, it's all a complete waste of time and resources and thought. So I, you just... you Yeah. You asked a question that got you into our minds a little bit. That's where we're at. We're kind of into that. Yeah, and I wonder, like, um, so you could try chopping down the the single origin menus, and then six different coffees that are blends. I would look at the sales for those and see what people are liking, and maybe you can consolidate that into because I could see having okay, maybe you have an espresso blend, maybe you have a drinking blend, and then maybe you have one blend that's like darker than the rest of them. Yeah. What are the other three? I mean, maybe they have a decaf blend versus a okay. decaf single origin. Yeah. That, okay, that makes sense. So then what are the other two? Just extra blends? I don't know. Again, I'm not even hating. I'm just maybe, saying maybe these are trying to do like a blue bottle thing where it's like you have the three Africans and it's mm. all African blend or but yeah. I mean Or you have like a different blend for each store, totally. like they got Hayes Valley exactly. and and that just takes you deep. Ten billion foot ceiling or whatever it is. <laughs> Every ceiling. They're cool ideas. Have. Like the way they pull it off is is rad. I, I don't know how it works on the 
back end for them. Well, they probably have enough. Pa- well, yeah, on the back end, it's, but they're allocating. Ex- they ha- they know how much is generally going through those stores. So like, well, we buy enough to generally support those stores probably for six months to almost a year at a time. So, yeah, you guys I, get it. Yeah, I would say if you can consider chopping back your offerings, don't be afraid to do so. I don't think it's going to hurt you. There's nothing sexy about green coffee sitting in a warehouse and there's nothing sexy about a bunch of different offerings sitting on a shelf and customers not knowing what to buy. Yep. Or on the wholesale end, you're like looking at this catalog. I don't know. I know I'm beating a dead horse over and over again just because I'm excited about it. Well, the horse is still twitching. The horse, I think it's still <laughs> alive, dude. <laughs> I'm going to kick it right in the jaw. You heard it from Chris. You heard it from Chuck. Okay. Dang. Wow, thirty-seven Th- minutes somehow. Those are the those are the cues the for this potatoes? one. Yeah. Any quick updates from us? I mean, we're gonna have so we got in the queue uh, a Bethany Hargrove. I was talking to Trevor Corlett. So keep keep your ears and eyes on the screen for that stuff. Chris and Chris and Charles and I have been working on a kind of a cool special project that mm. you guys will see Stay here in the tuned. near future. Yeah, that that get you a little bit more in tune with what we're doing we've been shooting a little video shooting a little footy we've had the camera out a little bit windows are coming tomorrow for the cafe apparently yeah we we had a really long meeting yesterday with our hvac and plumbers and architects architects and and contractors woodworkers all you guys who want to start a business it's worth it but damn The stories are true. The stories are true. <laughs> the stories are true. It makes you crazy. It makes you... And it's it's really organizational stuff and communication. And project management. Yeah, project management. It's a lot of 100% that. for sure. And it's like stuff that you can do, but if it's not if it's not like your... Maybe not forte, but if it's not like your, your love, it really zaps you. Like just being in what... For me... Oh, it's not my scene. Yeah, exactly. Like standing in our building yesterday for like six hours, just talking to people, standing there is so much more draining than a six to eight hour bar shift where you're doing far more exertion of physical effort. Oh my gosh. It made my brain hurt. I was so done. And it's like stuff that needs to happen, but I'm like, can I just create things? I'm like, you know what I mean? Can you see my brain? (laughs) Can I just, I would like i i want to go home and write a training protocol or make some coffee or, or whatever but it's stuff you have to do it's to make it's it happen definitely counter it's the right thing to do and it feels counterintuitive like i feel like i've done less even though we had that meeting which is getting more done in the scheme of getting our store open isn't I'm that like, weird i'm like all i want to do is go home and yeah work on our our orientation and training programs with chris and we we have a lot of this stuff down, but we haven't been able to sit together and like work through this stuff as much as we expected at this point. The good news is we both have plans, but it's crazy. Yeah, that collaboration isn't is like all been talk on the phone basically at this point. We haven't even sat down together and crushed it out. Yeah, I left the meeting and I was like, dang, I didn't do anything today. I know. When in reality that nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah. It's the weirdest. We did ever. so many necessary things, but we it's weird that you felt like that too. I was like, shh, dang, dude. Did, did I just waste like, six hours of my life? Dude, I totally felt that <laughs> I, was I woke like, up this morning. I was like, I got to go right now. Got to do something. And then my babe was sleeping in. I let her sleep in because I'm a nice guy. I made breakfast. And then Great it was like nine o'clock. And I was like, we have to leave now. I have to do stuff. I haven't done enough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a few things that we are really excited about in the build out is partially the design of the interior and the cabinetry and then some other little flourishes that we actually just had a a meeting about about a half hour ago right before we started this podcast oh Um, yeah 
working with some people that we know who are, I don't know, I'll call them crafters, I guess. Crafty people. And kind of getting some ideas out on paper and being like, okay, this is how this needs to function. You take it and run with it. I wish everything could work like that, to be honest with you. It is so awesome to not have to overmanage aspects of the build out like that. And you have people that you know that you trust who are creative and you know that their work is awesome. Yeah. And you're like, this is the function. Just whatever you do, it's going to be kick ass. Dude, I, don't, totally. I don't need to approve. Like, don't even show us colors, yeah. like material, whatever. Like, here, here's our vision yeah. of what we want. Those points are clear. Other than that, you're up chief yeah <laughs> and feel totally cool about it Honestly, i want that's what we want in our cafe through i know all of our I, trainings. I can't wait to have employees oh that God. we can trust in the same way and just be like i know you get it and i know what you do so this is what needs to happen yeah make it rain in whatever way you want to make it Check rain and if you need we'll yeah talk it out. i'm here if you feel unclear holla but do it so that we oh man that's like that's the dream if you if you can vibe with that Hit us up with a little info. Well, at I, oh, this is yeah, dude. I feel you. Getting close to where we need people, and we met a few good people. <laughs> a few good people out there. What was that? I don't know what, what kind of. That was wasn't that? even an accent. Jared had like a twitch in his I face. <laughs> I might be stroking. <laughs> he just drank forty ounces of bone broth straight to the I dome. I did have a bone broth and a lot of baozhong. That's a oolong tea. Like four steeps. I did have a four steeper. I that was why. Okay, all this stuff that we're talking about, this is why I never wanted to own my own business because I don't like micromanaging yep. things like that. I don't like micromanaging people. And I'm in my mind, like rewind five to 10 years ago, I'm like, geez, it sounds like the worst idea ever to spend all of your day micromanaging all these little details about people's lives to own a company. And But you don't have to do that. I don't think you have to do that. You just got to hire the right people. I mean, we'll see if we can pull it off. Just talk for right now, but I believe that you don't have to do that. No. Infrastructure, intent. Trust. Trust and training. And Holla. Selection. Fun, positive selection. Yeah. Man. I think that's a fine way to end our rant. Right? Really, though, I if you are if it. you are interested, we've had a lot of great emails. We'd love that you guys email us. Um, if you are thinking about us in such a way where you're like, it'd be kind of cool to work with and under these fools. Info at catandcloud.com. Give us a little email. We've got a few. 